Hey, peace and blessings to you. My name is Jerry B. I am the Entree Musician, and so are you. Welcome to the fourth installment of our series, Milestones and Steps Ahead. We're chronicling the processes of my three compositions, which are being baptized into the Dolby Atmos format at Across the Road Productions in Katy, Texas, which is a certified Dolby Atmos facility. Now, my good friends, Danny Jones, fantastic engineer, and Dave Inninger, they are the facilitators and we're just bonding. I'm learning a lot about this process of Dolby Atmos and their techniques. And I put together this series because I wanted to share everything that I'm learning with you. And uh, I want you to know that you can refer to this series if you're going to remix or remaster or maybe even build from scratch one of your songs. You can have this series as a, a template so that you can reference it. You know, what better way to do this than my becoming a guinea pig, as it were, with my own work, right? As I said in our first episode, I've seen many videos, maybe you've seen them too, which have certain engineers poo-pooing the entire Atmos situation. There are even a few who are swearing that this technology is a fad and it won't sustain itself, you know? But we were talking about this even last night on the Entree Musician Zoom call, which by the way, you can avail yourself to. It's a weekly call with some of the most innovative Entree Musicians around the world. Just connect with me at jerryb at theentreemusician.com and I can hook you up access. But we were discussing this last night and I'm not a prophet on this either way, please. <laughs> I can't say how long Dolby Atmos will last or how long it would take to catch on if it's sustainable or anything like that. That's not my job. All I can tell you is this. I've been blessed to hear personally, personally for myself, when I was down at Dave and Danny's studio across the road, and I must say again, I was able to listen to Al Green, Earth, Wind & Fire. These are songs I've been listening to since I was a tiny tot. And I've never heard those songs the way I experienced them then. So if there's half a chance that this is the direction that music is going, then I want in as a songwriter, a producer, as an entree musician, as a music lover. I want in. So here we are. Now, if you have not already done so, please dial back to the previous episodes, listen to the backstories about the other two songs in this special EP, and their titles are Incipients and Marriage. By the way, these three songs were chosen after I put a question out to our email community at sounddoctrine.com. And these were the favorites which were chosen uh, to experience the Atmos process. And thank you to everyone who responded. You can be sure that you will receive some special attention because of your participation. We just haven't figured out how we're going to do it because obviously we're in new territory. If you don't have Dolby Atmos in your car or in your home, then how can we provide you the best experience so that you can enjoy these songs personally? That's what we're trying to figure out. But once we do, we're going to hook you up. Okay, now the stories of how these songs were originally created, recorded and produced, as well as to what was going on personally behind the scenes makes interesting fodder. At least for me, it does, because it's my life. You know, it's my real life experience. It's hard to believe that the walk down memory lane gets longer with each and every step. 
but I'm grateful for all of the memories, the good and not so good because each memory shaped me into the man that I am today. Now, with respect to the song that I'm going to be discussing with you, I must admit there's an equal amount of drama which is going on behind the scenes because although this song is the one which is most recently recorded, I began the recording process back in 2018 or so, and it's the most recent of the three that we picked. And while the origin of the song's title dates back a few decades, the reason I chose this particular title is because of where we find ourselves currently, right now, today. The title of this third selection is Obfuscating Euphemisms. Now, I personally think that's an extremely cool title for any song just because. However, because of the way I'm wired, if you know me, it's hard for me to do anything just because. You know, there must be a reason and the origins of this song have a lot to do with my presuppositions and my personal constitution. So let's begin back like we've done before, but this concept begins in the early 90s, actually 1990 or 91 to be exact. And as far as my dream of being a music producer, at this point in my life, I'm actually going for it with all of my heart. In the years previous, from 86 on, Feel the Beat, Robert Christian, both of whom you've met in previous episodes, along with another childhood friend, a genius in fact, Gary Jones, who is no longer on the planet today, may the Lord rest his soul, we diligently the four of us formed a production company, which we called Chocolate Pulse. And later on, Andrew Machen joined us. But Gary was a man all about vision. He helped us research, getting our business on point. We filed our business with the Secretary of State of Ohio. Under Gary's tutelage, I personally learned about copywriting my songs, music publishing, and I formed several music publishing companies, which I still operate today. I learned about music distribution. Of course, this was in the days of vinyl records and the earliest infancy of CDs, but Gary Jones was all about business. And I would have been a better student of his, even though he was younger than me, I would have been a better student if it were not for my use of drugs, as I have explained about in my episode on marriage. Actually, it was Robert Christian and myself, Bob and I, you know, we were getting so wild, in fact, I believe God himself had to separate us so we could get on with our purpose here on this planet. So Bub is way out in Texas right now himself. But Gary, he didn't do any of that. He didn't drink, he didn't do drugs. He was indeed the quintessential entree musician. And I would like to think that he would be extremely proud of what we've been able to accomplish since his passing because of the high standards and examples he set. Now, there was a famous music store in the Youngstown area called New York Music ran by the Rendano family. Now, this was before Guitar Center and Sweetwater, whose prices, no doubt, were the reason for New York Music's eventual extinction. Uh, most of the musicians my age, especially around this area, would remember Vicky Rendano yelling and screaming at everyone, customers, distributors, employees. It didn't matter. She ran a tight store. 
And New York Music had a rent to own section. And this is the way we scored most of our gear for the various homes that we were calling recording studios. And one of those home studios was on Fairgreen Avenue, my aunt's house. I talked about that in our last episode where I was sitting on the stoop inebriated. Go back to that, you know, and you'll hear the, the full story. Now, mind you, signing this rent-to-own agreement meant you were buying that particular piece of equipment twice because of the interest rate. But like any decent rent-to-own program, you make the monthly payments so extremely affordable that the customer can't really see what happened to them 48 months later. But that's what we did, all right? We had the equipment we needed right now. That was all that mattered. So we began recording some very talented and prominent singers in Youngstown, Ohio at that time. And the list was growing. People knew about Chocolate Pulse. Uh, we had singers like Tracy Prisby, Lisa McDavid, April Lampley, you know, the contemporary gospel quintet Friends, you know, good group. Even did a session with the late great Booker Newberry. And there were some hot producers who were starting to come around, like I said before, Andrew Manchin, uh, Ollie Sims, Billy Jenkins, may he rest in peace. And if you remember Dawkins and Dawkins, Anson was starting to come around a little bit. And then we got the wind knocked out of us when Gail and Angela Harris, two sisters who eventually called themselves, they called their group Too Elegant. And even though we were not so terribly fond of their name, their voices absolutely completely mind-blowing totally knocked us out and we recorded oodles of stuff on them and as i sit before you today you're going to hear that stuff very very soon i've been updating that music and i've been updating the music around their original tracks and it's almost ready to pop stay tuned for that but back to the 1990s all right another mainstay at the studio especially when we moved into Phil's basement and set up shop there on Winona Drive, was my uncle Ed Howe, my mom's younger brother. He had relocated back to Youngstown from South Carolina and had brought a wealth of new knowledge from his own experiences, as well as a ton of books that he was just always peddling books so that we could read it and uh, read them books. And, and he was studying a particular sect of Islam at the time and was turning us all on to all of this different thought processes. One impactful book that I kept close to me is The Unseen Hand by A. Ralph Epperson. No matter where you stand on the conspiratorial view of history, this specific book is packed with some very interesting and challenging information. I suggest you read it. Another fascinating book, although somewhat of an agitative read in my opinion, was The ISIS Papers by Dr. Francis Cress Welsing. This was a collection of essays in which the keys to colors and how they are used in societal settings are utilized to explain racism. Now, there are a few things that I remember about the content of this difficult book, but I do remember the phrase obfuscating euphemism and how she used this phrase to describe the various power structures, political and otherwise, how they employ obfuscation to gaslight the citizenry. Their masterful adoption of euphemisms with a smile on their face soften the blows of the mind violation they are force feeding you, okay? 
Now let those who understand what I just said take heed. And if you don't understand, please rewind that portion until you do. Obviously, one would need to know and understand what the words obfuscation and euphemism means. And because I assume you already do, I won't define them here. Yet, what I will define is how, through those two words, I begin to look at life completely differently. All that I was told about racism, religion, politics, business, education, the world, everything was now in suspect. In, in 1991, I'm like 26 years old, okay? My daughter is 26 years old today. My daughter, Nia, as I'm filming this. So everything at 26 is up for grabs. Everything needs to be questioned. I need to know if I truly believe what I thought I said I believed. And if so, I need to understand why I believe it. Or if I don't believe it, it needs to be tossed out and I need to adopt a greater truth. Again, I hope you feel me on this, right? Obviously, these thoughts begin to leak into my songwriting. It wasn't enough to just write a funk tune and just vibe on it. That's what I used to do. But no, no, no. Even if I do that, if it's funky and if it's a jam, it still has to mean something. Of course, none other than George Clinton, Stevie Wonder, Gil Scott Heron, The Last Poets, Bob Dylan, and Joni Mitchell were among those who had been artfully preaching to us through the years. And there was definitely room enough for me to now join them. That's what I thought, right? <laughs> I'm 26, I'm jumping in. And even when I was writing a quote unquote love song, there had to be a twist or a turn in it, something that grabbed your attention and made you think. It was also during this time that I had tried my hand in rap music. I wrote a song called Black on Black with a young brother named Funky D here in Youngstown, Ohio, which was later upgraded by the Akron rapper Kofi Hill. Now, this song addressed the epidemic of black on black violence that Youngstown was experiencing in these early 90s like never before. With the influx of crack cocaine and the popularity of the movie New Jack City. You remember that movie? Well, every black man in Youngstown, Ohio, at least the young ones, every one of them thought they were Nino Brown, only to find out that they were not in Hollywood. So we literally were having like a murder every day. It seemed like a murder a minute. And I remember literally a plea from the funeral homes in this area, pleading to the public to stop the carnage. I also remember the Youngstown Police Department posting billboards around the city saying, we are too few to protect you. Now, does anyone watching or listening to this from Youngstown, Ohio, remember that error in our history? It was a strange, awkward time. And by God's grace, I could have been a statistic myself, really, because of my own drug use, had I not had so many recording studios, which kept me inside the studio and locked to the mixing board. So we put this casingo out, we called it a casingo, a cassette single, and it was played on the radio, Hot FM 101, WHOT, played it in their battle of the bands, and it won two nights straight because Funky D wasn't pulling any punches with his lyrics. And he didn't have to use cuss words to do it, they were just that emphatic and clear. 
to dramatize the situation, we began the song with the phone ringing and my own mother answering it uh, at the beginning of the song to be told by a YPD officer, which was played by my cousin Michael, that her son had been shot. So we tried to really put the elements in the song. Tyrone Williams provided the guitar and we did a smashing remix. On the flip side, with the energy of Tyrone's guitar fighting against the violence. In fact, while putting this podcast together, I came across a clip of an interview I did on local TV station WFMJ with Carl Bryant, who had a community show called Dynamics in Black, and we were discussing black-on-black crime. He was good enough to play a portion of the song on the air, and uh, it takes a few minutes, but I'm going to put it in now just so that you can get the tenor of the community and also see me without any of this gray hair and hear, if you're listening, only a younger Jerry B. So um, I'm going to insert that in right now so you can get the gist of what's happening. Here in the Mahoney Valley, always, we've had an awful lot of excellent musicians, individuals who will sing, who will play various instruments, who, who will write. My guest today is into the production end of music, as well as some writing and some singing. My guest on this occasion is Gerald Bueller. Gerald is the president of TJ Enterprises. The record company is Chocolate Pluff Records Incorporated. Chocolate Pulse. Pa Chocolate Pulse Records Incorporated. Yes, sir. It's a pleasure to have you. Pleasure to be here. You're here today because of phone call you made. You made a phone call to me several weeks ago, and you stated that you had produced a record. You were in the process of trying to get various record stations in Northeast Ohio to play it. My first thought on the subject was another youngster into <laughs> rap music. Yeah. I'll state that rap music for the most part is not to my liking simply don't understand all the words being spoken. Right. You came down to the station. You brought with you this specific cassette. Mm -hmm. On this specific cassette was one song. Right. That song I thought to be ideal for this Mahoney Valley, for this the city of Youngstown, at this time in our history. Yes. Tell us about the specific song that you have written on this specific cassette. Okay, well, the, the song was not entirely written by me. It was written by a Robert Christian Jr. and uh, a rapper who goes by the name of Funky D. And uh, it's called Black on Black, and it addresses black on black crime as it affects not only Youngstown, but the United States. Uh, we're seeing a lot of black on black crime, which we feel as musicians that we could say something about this which would be beneficial to those coming behind us because uh, we really believe that uh, for whatever reasons, uh, drugs, what have you, uh, one black person killing another black person over such trivial things, you know, should be abandoned and stopped. I mean, we should be loving each other. We should be uh, trying to rebuild our communities and not tearing them down. And uh, the song addresses that, you know. The first time you and I talked, you stated after our conversation, you were on your way to Cleveland to get yeah. 
couple of stations there to play your music. Yes. Were you successful? Uh, somewhat successful. Um, I got to talk to Bobby Rush from uh, WZAK, who um, they played the uh, song uh, Lady Skill from uh, WCSB on uh, Cleveland State Broadcasting. Uh, they were interested in the song. I also picked up a couple of stores while I was, I was down there. Um, here in Youngstown, uh, WHOT was very supportive of us. I talked to uh, Dick Thompson. Uh, we uh, won the Battle of the Jams during the uh, week of uh, Labor Day. Uh, we won twice, beating out Belle Bib DeVoe people. So, you know, it was uh, pretty good, pretty good. The response has been very positive. Uh, there's a lot of people that's into the song now. As you were saying about um, rap music, um, I would notice that uh, people would come up, i say, well, I have this tape for sale, you know, we're doing this, and uh, we're getting ready to go into the uh, public school systems to talk about black-on-black uh, -black crime, drug awareness, and uh, the first thing someone would say, well, I don't like rap, you know. That's, I can't get into rap. And uh, I think that this particular song, if you're not into rap music, that this song is the best thing that you can have in your collection because it's not typical of anything that you've ever heard. It's not hip-hop, it's not uh, negative, it's not uh, using uh, profanity, it's very positive, very wholesome, and uh, I think that it's the ideal song for you to have. You know? It's difficult to play music on television mm -hmm. because not do we have to be concerned with the sound, we have right. to be concerned with what we're going to show at the same time. Right. And better than 19 years of sitting in this chair, I've never <laughs> taken the opportunity mm -hmm. to simply play a specific piece with just the two of us on camera. Right. I'm making an exception. I think the message you have written and have put on this specific piece is well worth the time. Thank you very much. A person who is not into rap music, perhaps, who states that you don't understand it, listen to this piece. Because we have our own disease and that's ignorant blacks We gotta change our way and educate our mind And come together and stop this black on black crime With love, not hate We gotta love each other before it's too late My brothers, my friends We must realize that we're close to the end What about the kids, the ones that's growing up? We gotta stop and think about the things we're showing up Wake up, my people, and make up your mind And try to put a stop to this black on black crime But then again, here's a black lady And for more money as you can tell, this is not what I call standard rap music. There's actually music in the background. Yes, definitely. Your, your production company? Definitely. Chocolate Pulse. 
Chocolate Pulse, Feel the Beat, Jones, uh, Bubba C, Tyrone Williams, Funky D, uh, everybody. Uh, well, we're, uh, we were talking while they were uh, playing the music about the different people that we have coming up. I'm putting out an album uh, that hopefully will be out by February of 92. A lot of people keep telling me, push it up, push it up. But it should be out by February. And we have some dynamic people on the album. Carlton Jenkins, uh, who was destined to be one of the rising stars of the 90s. We have April Lampley, uh, the West Sisters, uh, Clarence and Glenn Hards. I mean, there's just some dynamic people on this album. And uh, I want to push that real hard. Uh, we came out this way um, to really you know, set a precedent for those uh, coming up behind us. We don't want to be like anything that you've ever heard in Youngstown. We're going national. That is our goal, and we are all in the absolute council. We deal in absolutes, and uh, we're and absolutely going to make it. You and know? you're extremely a positive group. Definitely. And you're all from the area. All from Youngstown. All from here in Whitetown. How does one producer album then get it aired nationally? That takes a lot of work. It takes a uh, hard. It's very hard to do, but then again, it's very easy because, uh, like I said before, we being the absolute people that we are, we set goals and then we attain them. Uh, in two weeks' time, we've got our record or our cassette into ten stores. That's uh, Stedderford's Music in Pittsburgh. We have uh, George's Music here in Youngstown, Foster's, Creative Concepts down on YSU campus. We have two uh, stores in Cleveland, uh, two live. I'm sorry, that's Akron. I have two stores in Akron, two live music, GNH Music, three stores in Cleveland, Record Exchange, The Record Den, The Record Revolution. And I'm sorry if I'm leaving anybody out, but it's really been moving, you know. And the title of the album? The title of the album is An Incipience, which means the beginning. Culture Logic, the soundtrack to a non-existent And movie. locally in Youngstown and Warren, where can it be acquired? Uh, the album is not out yet, just a single. Oh, the stores just a that single. I just made, yeah. Uh, the single is just released. So you can see again, we have people in our community who are about that which is good, noble, true, and positive. And they're young people. I'm Carl Bryant. This is Dynamics in Black. I'll be here again next Sunday morning and hope you'll join me. So I trust that this clip provides you with a little bit of the flavor of what was happening back then and the tenor of where we were going and as well as how skinny I was back in the day. But fast forward from 1991 to 2019 when I really began writing obfuscating euphemisms. 28 years later, a few things have changed, but not much. In fact, in my opinion, there's more degradation in the world. And that's not a pessimistic perspective. Because if you just listen, just skim the language of today at its surface level, it's all euphemism. Now let's just tell the plain truth in all this glory right here. The mainstream media is not our friend. News is no longer objective. It's spits of bias no matter which side of the political aisle you may be on. The general public's lack of asking real hard questions and the culpability to swallow the backwash of whatever authority figure vomits out at them is absolutely mind-blowing. So while I'm writing this song in 2019, just months before a global shutdown no one saw coming, we have political upheaval like never before. Black Lives Matter is weaving its sway into America's consciousness and the infancy of trans euphemism obfuscating their ideologies into the schoolrooms. And if any forward thinker dare pause to pose a question, then they're the ones who were vilified, canceled, and discarded as backward. 
and behind the progressive times. So yes, I'm working on the Fish and Grits album with all of these things in mind. I already know that this material is not necessarily sound doctrine material. So I'm putting it on a Jerry B solo project. And in fact, as I'm working on this, because I love them, I won't mention any names at all, but several of my automatic go-tos, musicians and singers, either some of them will not sing on this album because they disagree with my lyrics, or they agree to do so under the sole condition that their names do not appear in the liner notes. This is what I'm talking about. Sensitivity at its height. <laughs> right? You know, everyone seems to be cowering. And I hope you can see this now a little clearer as we look back in the rearview mirror of just a few months ago. The pressure was on because the proverbial they were getting ready to lock down the entire world. So censorship was and still is strong. Now listen, brother, sister, in times like this, you have to have a real handle on who you actually are or you will get turned inside out. That's just the truth. Either you have balls and a backbone or you don't. And it became real easy as this was progressing for me to see who didn't. Now, I trust you are not receiving my words as insensitive or unloving. I assure you they are not. But because we're talking about obfuscating euphemisms, especially as a song and a title, I need to be as clear as a bell. Our world needs to wake up fast because even as I record this, the plot for the next pandemic is approaching. We must ask ourselves what we really believe. Everything, my friend, is on the line. I'm going to ask you, do you really, really really believe everything you see on TV? Do you read? Do you, you read everything and, and believe it? Do you believe the sources? Can the sources be trusted? What really happened on that fateful day in January? How do you feel about the border now? You know, why are drag queens in kindergarten? Who are we as a society? What is actually happening? Who is causing it and why? Better yet, here's a better question. What are you doing personally? Do you have a plan? Are you able to make sense of things? And can you see your way out of it clearly if you needed to? It's almost like the matrix. You know, do you have a plan? Will you use it if you need it? By the way, all of these questions are the undercurrent of this song, Obfuscating Euphemisms. And this is one of the main reasons I decided it should be an instrumental. See, I myself, I'm not a rapper. I'm not a singer, right? And with the exception of the narratives that I drop in there, especially in the middle of the tune, I don't believe I could have appropriately conveyed my emotions effectively if I had to write standard verse, chorus, verse, bridge. I came close to it in another single from that album, which was, the song was entitled Fake News, but I was being satirical, somewhat. <laughs> 
Now, the structure of this song, Obfuscating Euphemisms, aside from the very funky clavinet, which was masterfully performed by Jeremy Lucas, it was important for me to handle all of the instrumentation. I usually play most of the instrumentation in my songs, and I call the heavy hitters in for the solos, but I wasn't making or keeping many friends during this season because of my incessant questions and my need for debate. It was a strange time for our family and relatives as well. Only Lori and I remained locked at the hip. But I said, I'm going to do everything on this song. The da I used was Reason 11 Suite. And if it wasn't for Studio One being such a force of nature, I would have continued to use Reason. It was my dog then, and I still have a sentimental place for it in my heart, but I'm a Studio One lover now. Anyway, in Reason, the drum is the only loop, which I kept popping by dropping in some fresh fragments of playola of my own. The acoustic bass, however, is not a loop. It's a mix of reason combinations, and I turned the tempo way down as far as it went to drop that bass part, gingerly pitch bending the wheel and trying to emulate Dave Holland and or Charlie Hayden and sometimes both. I did the same thing with the mute trumpet synth. And I was thinking of the late Roy Hargrove, right? On guitar, I was thinking Dean Brown. And I'm always pretending to be George Duke on the keyboard solo. Always. Although I know I'm a far cry from any one of these amazing musicians I've just mentioned. The basic chords of the song were inspired by Herbie Hancock's Future Shock album. You remember that album? Now, Herbie is always probing. And the sounds on that entire project keep me curious every time I hear it. So I thought with the own questions that were turning in my spirit, I needed that type of curiosity in my sound. And so I'm going to play the song for you now if you've not heard it. And I would love your feedback. I'd love you to tell me what you think about the instrumentation as well as the narratives. Okay, so here you go.
You must not only listen to what's being said, but also what is left unspoken, how it's framed, couched, presented, and edited in real time for your constant consumption, aptly appropriating euphemisms that keep you comfortably numb to the certain danger that lies ahead. Obfuscating euphemisms, and I cannot wait to experience this one in Dolby Atmos. I can only imagine what Danny is going to do uh, with it, where he's going to place the various spoken portions and handle the instrumentation. And the next episode of this series, uh, we're going to go behind the scenes. You'll get uh, a tour of my corner of the world, so to speak. Um, you can watch me prep the tracks and and we'll check in on Danny and Dave uh, when they receive them and, and get to see what's happening at Across the Road Studios. They can explain to you firsthand their thoughts and their processes and how they're working with the music. And you're going to get all of that. We'll sit down together and discuss that and you can be a part of the uh, conversation. In fact, I'm trying to think of how to make this more interactive so you're involving so perhaps we'll have live streaming we're going to be thinking of some ways because now that you've heard what's happened behind the scenes of the original recording and production i want you to go deeper in with us as to what's happening now and i want you to be able to feel it so again thank you for taking this journey with me in these three songs, I'm really very, very excited. It's an experimental time in my life and I love exploration. So I'm digging this. Thank you. I ask that you please share, please subscribe, please tell everybody you know and 17 people you don't know about the Entree Musician and what we're trying to do. And if you are a musician, especially not exclusively, but especially over the age of 50, we have an encouragement community that I would love for you to be involved in. Again, as I said earlier in this video, we get together on Sunday nights. We have a private Facebook page. We're always in touch with each other. We are advising each other, sharing articles, sharing resources, and even entering into some collaborations that are exciting and thrilling and very useful as we are moving forward in our careers, personally and collectively. I love what I'm doing. I'm grateful to be able to share it with you. My name is Jerry B. I am the Entree Musician, but here's what's most important. I say it all the time. So are you. We'll see you next time.